Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast. We're going to talk some USC Trojan football because, I don't know if you know this, spring football starts today. So football, helmets, jerseys, pads eventually. None of this off-season stuff with transfer portals and all that stuff. This actual football is happening. So I think this is something that was much needed by Clay Helton and the entire Trojan football team. So we're going to talk with uh, Keely Yor, who's in studio, and Dan Weber all about that. As we we basically are going to finish this podcast and then roll out the practice. And it's open to the public. Um, so if you guys want to come out there, come say hello. You're not allowed to talk to us. You can uh, talk to us before or after. But during practice, we are separated. We are we are separate but equal, I guess, but we're in a separate section. So you're not allowed to come say hello. I don't know. That's, that's not our rules. That's the rule. We would love to come talk to you, but... That's not allowed. If you have any questions or comments, podcast at uscfootball.com is the email address, or you could call or text. And the number is 424-254-9141. We're going to have a special Tunnel Vision Wednesday night uh, with Alicia Deratolov coming in from uh, our friends over at the Reign of Troy site. So she's going to come in. It'll be me, Keely, and Alicia in studio and uh, Keely's very, she's smiling knowing that I'm going to be outnumbered gender-wise. I knew you were going to say that, so I was trying to prepare a witty remark. <laughs> it's it's good when we can outnumber you, Ryan. Yeah, that's good. No, she, she does a great job and uh, really pays attention to what's going on. We'll see her out there at practice today. And we got Dan Weber on the line. We'll see him out there at practice today. Hello, Dan. How are you? Hey, uh, I'm, I'm good. By the way, I actually think Keely has the numbers when when she's on there with you and shotgun anyway. So, uh, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, thank you, Dan. She that dominates. She really has the numbers uh, uh, Wednesday. Yeah, for sure. Uh, she dominates that. So shotguns on secret assignment somewhere. So we'll uh, we're gonna get uh, Alicia to come in. We're gonna try to get some special guests and stuff too. Uh, but make sure you check it out tunnelvisionuscfootball.com. Um, it's our video show. So it's kind of like this podcast, but it's with video and, uh, there's some cool stuff. we got some multiple camera angles. We're going to try some fun things, comments. We'll do it on live, live on YouTube, Facebook, uh, and Periscope. So all those things. Um, Keely, how are you doing today? You all right? I'm under the weather. My body has been betraying me lately. Uh, but you know, we had an off season and then suddenly my brain, my body was like, it's, it's spring football. Let's get you sick. So that's what's up with me. Yeah. Well, hopefully you're feeling better hopefully. Uh, when things kind of, you know, roll around a little bit. Um, you know, we, we, I mean, not rolling. I'm like, <laughs> what are you when saying? We, it's, we're rolling out the spring schedule. It's kind of slow. You get three practices, then a week off. True. So we'll roll into it kind of slowly, a slow, a slow lift off, a slow roll. And yeah. then maybe you'll, uh, feel a little bit better yes hopefully nice well we got some news uh to talk about so we got the spring uh roster and prospectus and all that kind of stuff uh, a few things and actually our our buddy shotgun you know from wherever he is on secret assignment he noticed this so tim drevno i don't know if you saw this dan tim drevno tweeted out a picture of him and his crew i think they were at the beach or something and shotgun That's noticed, what it looked like yeah yeah shotgun notices hey Liam Jimmons is with them. 
and uh, we get the roster, and he's he's switched. He's uh, on the offensive line from the defensive line. So, Dan, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. <laughs> yeah, I, actually, I couldn't get the picture uh, blown up enough, the photo blown up enough. I knew there it looked like there was somebody on there, but I couldn't make out who exactly it was. But, uh, yeah, I think that's a good move. I think Liam's got a an offensive lineman's body. Uh, I like his uh, uh, I like his feet. I like his uh, size and his strength. I think he's more like a straight ahead kind of a guy. He just seems like they're you know people that you kind of categorize one way or the other. And and I think he's uh, I think that's a good move. I think it'll help him. I think it'll help USC. Uh, I like the move a lot. And and I know you know people make those moves at times, and we're not sure if they're were worth the time and effort or the, you know you got to give him a chance now. I think to play. I think anything that, that amps up the competition on the offensive line is a good thing. And if they really, you know, if they're going to do what now we're, you know, they're being quoted as saying that it really is open everywhere, every position and every day, um, that's a really good thing. The more competition on that offensive line, the better. Yeah, uh, they need, I think they needed an extra body or two. You thought they might go to the transfer portal so far. That hasn't happened. Um, I don't know, Keely, do you, do you like, Jim is moving over there. I think it's an interesting move for sure. I agree with Dan. He definitely has an offensive line body. I'm just curious if there's going to be a learning curve or if he goes into kind of the no man's lane, you know, Jacob Daniel flip kind of sides um, opposite though. Um, hopefully Jimmins gets more of a chance in that sense. Maybe he doesn't get in that, that black hole of changing to positions. Yeah. Sometimes guys change positions and they're just, they're around, they're doing drills, but they're never a factor. Yeah. Like, Jacob Daniels, is, I think he's a redshirt senior. He hasn't really been a factor at all. You yeah. Know? Um, so if you're just adding depth, I'm not sure. But we'll we'll see. I mean, we'll, I guess we'll see him out there today. They'll be far away yeah. from us as usual. You know, you know somebody I, I think we ought to keep our eye on on that offensive line who was kind of in the shadows last year, got in late, uh, uh, who I think can really be a factor is, is Bernard Schirmer. I think, uh, I think he's got the body for it. I think he's got the athleticism. I think... In, in general, this offensive line has, has a good bit more uh, uh, athleticism, quickness, better feet as a group than last year. And, and, and coaching them up, and they're all going to be learning a, you know, a new system. Uh, I think they've got a chance to be pretty decent. Uh, I know, you know we certainly have heard that Tim Drevno has, has uh, you know, praised them with the, you know, saying that this could be the, the best offensive line he's coached uh, outside of the 49ers. So, you know, he's pretty optimistic, and, and, and that's probably a good, a good thing. So, uh, But I think you got to factor in somebody like a, a Bernard Server who just, you know, got here late and wasn't quite ready to go last year, uh, you know, out of junior college. But I think he's got, I think he's got some skills. Yeah, we'll see. So that'll be, so my count, 15 offensive linemen, scholarship offensive linemen for USC. Trojans did have five scholarship defensive tackles. Uh, that'll be down to, I mean, they had six. That'll be down to five uh, now. A couple other uh, moves we noticed. But before we do, I just wanted to thank our sponsor, Trader Joe's. They've been so good to us over the years. I've been uh, trying to do these morning workouts, and I've been do like, I instead of, like, just eating cereal, now I'm getting some of the Trader Joe's yogurt. They got some cool flavors, if you like. And then I get their almond butter granola, and I'll mix the two in like a little bowl. So it's sort of like cereal, but like instead of cereal, it's granola. And instead of milk, it's the, it's the yogurt. It's actually pretty filling. And my wife gets some of those chia seeds and she likes to put those in there too, which adds some fiber. So it'll fill you up a little bit. 
Um, but yeah, a lot of good food there at Trader Joe's that we, we try different things and, uh, I really enjoy it. They've been, they've been really good to us. Make sure if you're at USC, check out the one, the new one over at the university village. Uh, that's great. There's a fairly new one near me in Hermosa beach that that's what we go to all the time. I know you got one in Tustin, Dan, that you love to go to. Yeah. And I do the, uh, I do the, uh, granola cereal slash, uh, yogurt, uh, you know, breakfast as well. I think really oh. good idea. Not the not the chia seeds, but uh, I do the other stuff. Well, wife just told me that this morning. She goes, you should add the chia seeds because it adds some fiber and it'll like, you know, fill you up a little bit more. So I'm like, okay, I'll try that. Uh, but then I'm going to like, we're going to be running out. So I tried to you know, work out this morning, try to eat healthy, but we got to like get to practice right after this. And I'll probably like stop at Chick-fil-A or something <laughs> on the way, you know, um, but that's just the way I roll. It is. Uh, <laughs> I just can't, I can't do it all like healthy. I got to do some you pick healthy, and choose. But, yeah, pick and choose what we do. Um, okay. So a couple other interesting aspects of the roster, two players that are in the transfer portal that we know, uh, Valus Jones and Greg Johnson are still listed on the roster. They're still written up. My guess is that this was done earlier. They entered the transfer portal late and the spring roster and all that stuff just hasn't been updated yet. I don't know what you guys think. I, I'm not expecting to see them out there because once you're in the transfer portal, unless you're removed, my understanding is you cannot practice with the team. You can take classes. Like I know Achille Ross is still taking classes right now, but he won't be participating. He's in the transfer portal. Uh, what do you guys think? Well, uh, you know, I, I could understand them not being removed from, you know, as, as an old SID myself and, and knowing the issues with printing and deadlines and, and, and when you have to run, you know, the books off and all that. I can understand him not, you know, or them remaining on the printed copy of the spring prospectus. I don't see that why they would still be on the, uh, the online one uh, at this point in time. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not sure. I know they've specifically said, none of those guys in the transfer portal are going to practice. Um, even though there is the opportunity, you know, to come back from the, you know, the transfer portal, you could, uh, you know, decide to remove yourself and then, uh, it would be up to USC whether, you know, they would, they would decide they want to keep you going forward. But, um, uh, I don't have a good answer as to why they're still on the online roster. Don't know. Yeah. It seems a little, Seems a little strange. And then one player who's not in the transfer portal, but is not listed on the roster and is under the squadman lost category is Keyshawn Pai Young. Um, so that he is no longer there. USC pretty thin uh, at the wide receiver spot. Uh, I think for right now, it looks like there's four uh, scholarship wide receivers with the addition. There would be five with John Jackson, the third, we, you know, he was announced by USC's Twitter, so he's on the roster. We assume he's going to be on scholarship. He sat out last year. He was actually a class of 2018. I think he was at a JC or something, and now he's enrolled at USC. Now, I'm assuming that's going to be a scholarship, especially with the kind of numbers that they have. So uh, that would still be five, you know, healthy scholarship uh, wide receivers for the spring at most. And you're talking running the air raid with a lot of four wide receiver sets. So Dan, any thoughts on Keyshawn Young and John Jackson? Yeah. Uh, Keyshawn, I think we don't know the whole story there because this would have seemed like his dream scenario for somebody who's, you know, 
just wished and wished and wished that he could find a way to get on the field. And here the opportunity is, and, uh, and he's not around for it. So, uh, I guess we could speculate, but, uh, you know, as to, you know, what might be going on there, but, uh, but I just don't think we have any, you know, hard evidence, uh, or information, you know, about where that is. I will say this, Coach Harrell, uh, said that he loves reps and nothing beats reps in running his offense. Man, his wide receivers are going to get reps. I mean, uh, when you've got, they'll have at least as many quarterbacks or more than wide receivers. I'm not sure that's ever happened in Division One football, which is par for the course with USC. If you kept a list of all the things that, you, that have happened at USC that have never happened anywhere else in Division One football, it's a pretty big list. But they may be adding to it. Uh, uh, I, I can't even imagine a in a program where you got more quarterback. So I think the reps will be great uh, for the wide receivers. I mean, you just work them, work them, work them until, you know, they can't work anymore. I'm not sure how that's going to work for the quarterbacks. You probably like to, you know, get them at least as many reps as the, uh, as the wide receivers. So I think they really going to have to figure out how they're going to practice. That's going to, that's going to be a real challenge. I think they, they need to start winning some of those battles as coaches and saying, yeah, this is difficult, but we're going to figure it out and we're going to get better and we're going to make it work for us. And, and have those kinds of successes that practice every day in order to, you know, convince everybody, especially your players, that you've got the answers and you know how to, how to get things done. But, uh, but, you know, it can't be used as an excuse though. I mean, in the past, I think we've seen maybe too easily things like that become excuses for not doing something can't be they've got to figure out how do we do what we have to do to get this offense to where it needs to be by the end of the spring uh even with these numbers at these positions yeah that's the challenge it is interesting that Keyshawn Young is not in the transfer portal so it makes you you know is there something where he's still going to be around and you know maybe it's like working on academics or something no intention to transfer I mean I guess, I guess it could be something like that, Dan, but for him to not be in the transfer portal um, and, and not be li- you know listed as a squadman lost, I think we saw that with uh, Chen Nwusu, right? Like, Nwusu, like, I think he was missed the spring. Yeah, I would the- say over the years, maybe three or so uh, 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 guys at least that haven't practiced in the spring and then became, you know, were ready to go by the summer. Uh, I think that could be one of the, you know, I mean, you, you might have been thinking about leaving, and then when you see all the others who leave, you might say, whoa, I got a better opportunity here, but there may be something else going on that, uh, that you have to get you know, squared away with before you can come back. But, yeah, if you're a Pi Young, you think, where in the heck am I going to have a better shot you know, at playing yeah. and get, you know, getting on the field than here? So, uh, but, you know, we just don't know. I mean, we just try to figure out what makes the most sense, but we don't, we don't really know the, the absolute answer there. It's sort of similar to like, there's a lot of people that were like, I'm outraged. I hate the team. I'm going to cancel my season tickets. And then they find out, Oh wait, there's a whole bunch of seats that are better than mine available because all these other people canceled. So you're sort of like buying, you know, buying low. Um, this was a time for Keyshawn Young to, to buy low. So uh, I, I wouldn't, mm-hmm. You know, it's weird, but I, I guess you could say the same thing for uh, Valus Jones, uh, you know, all that stuff. I don't know. Any thoughts, Keely, about the, the shakeups there? I mean, I think it's interesting. Just there's so much lack. There's just such a lack of depth on wide receiver and DB depth. 
Um, and I've even heard that not all of the returning wide receivers are healthy. So oh. that's a TBD till we get to practice to mm-hmm. confirm that. But I think we're at the point where start refreshing the walk-on names because that's that's gonna <laughs> they're gonna get a lot of reps this spring. Or it's kind of dire at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm not even sure how many walk-ons uh, at wide receiver. I know uh, there are some viable walk-ons uh, in the secondary, I think, and they will do a lot of, a lot of work this, uh, this spring. I'm not sure of the numbers at wide receiver. I mean, I think one of the problems with that position, it was so top-heavy with talent, and then, you know, the five or so guys who've already hit the portal were, you know, next in line after the top four, uh, that there wasn't much of a need or, you know, for, uh, for walk-ons there. So I don't think they've kind of built that up because over the years, USC's had a pretty steady, uh, you know, supply of, uh, of decent walk-on wide receivers. It's kind of gone away now and we'll see, you know, what it looks like when we hit the field today. So the couple they have listed on the roster, Matthew Hokum. So he's a senior, uh, walk-on there. Um, uh, Jack Webster is a sophomore, and then uh, Zach Wilson is a redshirt freshman. So they have at least three uh, walk-on wide receivers listed, and uh, you know I'm not sure. They, I think they had tryouts like a week or two ago, so maybe there will be some more available. But um, yeah, numbers aren't numbers aren't looking uh, great right now. So we'll we'll see how that goes going forward. Yeah, I mean, I just don't think we know enough about those guys because there were, you know, every year you had one or two walk-ons that you knew their names and you knew, you know, that they were going to be able to make plays. And if they got in a game, they might, you know, make plays. And they certainly were going to be, you know, good practice players. I think we have to keep our eyes on, on those guys and, you know, see where do they fit in. And, uh, you know, now they're going to get their chance. We, we will see them. Uh, we definitely will. Before we jump into questions and stuff, I don't think we have any other topics. I want to tell everybody about Mint Mobile. There's a lot of things in life that aren't right, like carpets in the shower, eating dip with your fingers, chunky style milk. If you remember the Super Bowl commercial, don't do that. Paying too much for your phone bill, that's not right. But thanks to Mint Mobile, you don't have to overpay for wireless anymore. With Mint Mobile, you can cut your wireless bill down to just 15 bucks a month. They reimagine wireless, making it easy and online only, which means they can pass significant savings directly on to you. Mint Mobile makes it easy to cut your wireless bill down to just 15 bucks a month. You can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan, the phone you already own, and you can keep your old number, all your existing contacts, and you can choose between plans with three, eight, or 12 gigabytes of 4G LTE data and stop paying for unlimited data that you're never going to use. Every plan has unlimited nationwide talk and text, and if you're not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile has you covered with their seven-day money-back guarantee. Ditch your old wireless bill and start saving with Mint Mobile. And for all of our listeners here on the Peristyle Podcast, you can get your own new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month. Get the plan shipped to you, to your door, fast and free. Go to mintmobile.com slash podcast. That's mintmobile.com slash podcast. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month. And get free shipping on your Mint Mobile plan at mintmobile.com slash podcast. 
All right. I don't know if we have any other topics, guys, but do we want to jump into some questions, Keely? Let's jump into it. We have a question from Steve in Poway who says, I understand that Cliff Kingsbury had in a short time as USC's offensive coordinator already distributed his amazing playbook to USC's offensive players. This brings up an interesting question. When USC hires an OC, do they also gain the rights to the OC's plays even after he's left the program? Can you envision Graham Harrell taking a look at that playbook and pulling it out at least a few and pulling out at least a few interesting plays from it. Thanks, Stephen Poway. So, I think we may be overstating playbook when we talk about Cliff and uh, and Graham. Uh, I think they both would like to tell you it's more of a system. It's more of a, you know, and I, I, I likened it to people who know basketball a little bit with the way basketball used to be played on offense where, where coaches would call out plays and everybody would run through what they practiced. And then they came up with, you know, the motion offense, which was a continuous set, set of principles where if, you know, if you go here, if you pass the ball there, then you go over here and you just keep it moving and moving. I think it's more like that. So I don't think they're plays exactly that you would say, oh, I'm going to steal that. And secondly, um, you know, I think they really are on the same, you know, from the same tree. I mean, with, you know, the Mike Leach, and I think both Cliff Kingsbury and Graham Harrell have gone in pretty much the same direction. So I, I think there'd be, you know, a whole lot of similarity, uh, you know, to how they approach the game. I think they both run the ball a little, you know, more than Mike Leach did. Uh, use a couple of backs at times, uh, make more uh, use of the, uh, you know, the H back or the, you know, you back or whatever you want to call them, uh, tight end moving. Uh, so, so I don't know that there would be, uh, you know, plays that you, you would, you would steal. I don't think it's that kind of offense where you say, aha, you know, I think that was kind of how Lane looked at it, how Sark looked at it. You know, there, there were stories about they'd be sitting somewhere in a, in a bar, excuse the expression and, uh, be writing plays on, uh, on napkin, you know, to, you know, no, that's not that's not what this offense is. This is a system as to how you get your uh, receivers, especially, but you know, running backs, whoever, into space, and you try to create a mismatch somewhere. You try to react to it quickly, and you just take what they give you, and you just keep keep doing that. So, so I don't don't see it that way. As we've got a special play, you know, for that. I, I just I don't think that's the way these offenses uh, approach thing. So we have a question that kind of touched on what we discussed at the top of the show. Earl in West LA says, I understand that there are now 70 wide receivers in the transfer portal. Is there a market for that many guys who are not good enough to start at their own schools? What happens when a player isn't offered a scholarship to compete elsewhere? Do they retain their original scholarship, even though they have been approved to transfer? I understand these kids want to play, but the grass is not always greener. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's getting like basketball where, uh, what was it? Uh, I think, uh, was it a year ago, two years ago, uh, a quarter of the basketball players, uh, tried to transfer, uh, because, you know, everybody wants to play and, you know, you've got in basketball 13 scholarships or whatever it is. And, uh, only five guys get to, you know, get to start. Um, that's why there's so many quarterbacks that, uh, that, you know, are in the, in the portal or we're transferring anyway, because, uh, you know, if one guy's the quarterback and you're the next guy in line, um, you're probably not going to play much at all. So, uh, wide receivers, that's interesting, um, that there'd be that many, um, in the portal. Uh, 
And, and yet you can see what happened at USC. I mean, you know, you, you got your three locked in pretty much. And then you got, you know, you had Devin Williams kind of being developed and, and there just wasn't, you know, much to do, you know, even for Vilas Jones and, and for Josh and Baby and, and Trevon Cindy and those guys, they just, Randall Grimes, it just, there wasn't anywhere to go with them in terms of, now, if USC would have run more plays, if they'd have been a little bit more of a hurry up, you know, and, and quick uh, tempo, which they probably should have been, uh, but that wasn't how they were going. So there just weren't, there wasn't much opportunity or need to, you know, do a lot of subbing at, uh, at wide receiver. And I guess it, you know, works out that way, you know, across the country, but, uh, I'll be real interested if, if there aren't spots for all those people. I think their scholarships are good through this semester. Uh, I don't think, you know, that there's any guarantees going forward. So, uh, I, I, that'll be interesting. I think that might be one of those unintended consequences that everybody thought, you know, we've got to be fair to these guys. We've got to give them a, a, you know, a chance to transfer. We haven't been treating them, you know, fairly. And then they'll end up with a situation that they hadn't thought about is that some of these guys, there just isn't a place for them to go. Now what do they do? Uh, That's a good question. I don't know. And I think, um, so I think Dan's right. I believe you're on scholarship till the end of the semester uh, when you enter the portal, but you can't take part in, you can do school stuff, but you can't take part in like team activities. So you're not uh, practicing, working out with a team. I believe that's how it works. And And USC has the option to cut them at that point. Um, I think, you know, by the end of the semester, there, there, you know, some specific rules. I, I don't, I think if you enter the transfer portal, there's probably not a good chance you're coming back at least at USC. I know that's happened a few, uh, other places. And we actually had John Wilner on who does a great job covering the PAC 12 and the San Jose Mercury news on our podcast of champions. If you want to check that out, it's a uh, PAC 12 podcast.com, but we, it's all the PAC 12, not just USC. There was a lot of USC talk that we had, but I mean, he thinks there's going to be some significant changes to the transfer portal because like, like, like Dan was saying, there could be unintended consequences. If 2000 people enter the portal um, and they're not all finding, you know, you have places like USC that 10 are going in or so, and none are coming out. um, It seems like there's a lot more players in there than not. So you have a lot of people that are just missing spring football and aren't taking part, uh, you know, if they haven't picked a new spot. So there's, I think they have to make some kind of tweaks to this. I like the players having the rights to move, but the way this is working, I think it might be doing some of the players a disservice and you, you sort of have to kind of protect yourselves from that. You know, if I'm the NCAA right now, there should be someone at the NCAA doing the research, how many players uh, went into the portal and how many scholarships were available. And you, we know, for example, they to check, we could have told you how many scholarships were available at USC. Uh, so uh, they probably should have done that kind of homework to see if there's a, a, a big mismatch mathematically between, you know, and I guess you're not going to know how many are going into the transfer portal. But right now you would like some real live, uh, you know, information research on how many are in there and how many scholarships are available at, you know, all the division one schools. Uh, It'd be interesting if there were a lot more guys in there than scholarships are available. Yeah, because you leave, anyone can leave, but you've already counted at the school you're at as an initial counter. 
you transfer somewhere, you're going to come in as an initial counter. So if, if someone already has a full recruiting class, they might have only, you know, USC only had a couple scholarships left over. Might only be one now with John Jackson getting one of them. Um, so even with the number of players that left USC, they, there's no way they could replace that many. They could only bring in one or two. Um, so I think that's going to be an issue. There's probably a lot of schools that are like that. You have a lot of people leaving, but there's no way there's enough uh, initial scholarships out there to accommodate well, everybody. I think USC is a perfect example with 10 guys that went into the portal, I guess, uh, and uh, only a couple of scholarships that are most available. You know, if that's the case in every school in the country, um, that's a problem. Yeah. We will see if they're going to make any kind of tweaks and stuff to this. Um, I got a voicemail. You want to play this one? Well, we, are, we have another. Oh, Earl in West LA had a two part question. Okay. So I'd rather just keep them together if we sure. could. Uh, he says, also, there have been lots of talk about season ticket holders not renewing for the 2019 season. The renewal deadline has now passed. Do we know how many seats were renewed compared to the number of season seats in 2018 yet? And he says, P.S. I renewed my season tickets. Uh, I think we do, and I think it's kind of a uh, state secret for right now. Uh, let me say this. It's not up. It's, uh, it's significantly down, okay? I think they also maybe extended the deadline into April. I think it was originally March. Uh, so I don't know, but, uh, but it's, it's down. I mean, it's pretty much down. We may be able to uh, elaborate on that in the in the war room, but uh, uh, as you suspect, it's uh, it's off, Earl. I think last year there were some they they talked about the numbers a little bit more, but there was the tax change, so there was people that were incentivized to like get the donations in and stuff. I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but I think there was um, more talk about that. We haven't heard much. Uh, this time around. So it might be similar to like the Pac-12, um, you know, television numbers. It's like a state secret. When it's not good, I don't think you're going to see much. Um, now, what what are we going to see come, you know, late August and September and stuff? You know, that's, uh, I think you might see a pretty good attendance for the Fresno State game if you add like 20,000 Fresno State fans. Yeah. But I'm guessing, and, and especially and if, if they, the team but, doesn't but, do well, but, then, you know. But that's where I'm not against this this schedule because if you, you know, perform decently in that game, uh, and then you got Stanford coming in, uh, so I think they, you know, it's like a lot of things. If they do well, they've got a chance. People will maybe, you know, get back on the bandwagon. They got to do well. Can't look bad, you know, in those first couple of games. I mean, there's no option here. And the first time they go on the road, and, you know, to Brigham Young, uh, your Clay's teams haven't. Always, uh, you know, played very well, you know, that well on the road. Uh, uh, probably got to, you know, got to win that one. And then, you know, you've got some people coming in. And you've got some, you know, games that, that will sell if USC is playing well. But, but you know, yeah. so the opportunity is there, I think, to get it going next September. But they got to get it going next September. Right. Um, I mean, obviously, there's potential for disaster if you start off slow. Uh, attendance could be very down, but you know, because the schedule is so tough in the beginning, um, yeah, team does well. I think people will, will come and we'll see how they fill out the, the smaller 
77,000, you know, st- Coliseum. We can't really tell how full the boxes are because those are all inside. I don't know where we could, if we'll have access around there, but you'll just see the regular seats, you know, kind of where people are. I'm very curious to see how that all shakes out. Um, all right. I'm really, what oh. I'm really curious about is the sections next to the gigantic uh, tower because the, the seats where they can't see the end zone at the other end because of the building that goes down so far. I'm really going to be interested to see how do they handle those seats. You know, do they still put people in there? Uh, do they close those sections? Um, uh, that'll that'll be an interesting challenge. Uh, and, uh, until we see a game uh, with that, uh, I don't know. Uh, it'll be interesting, you know, too, when the Rams play, uh, when you have sellouts and, and all of that. What what are they doing with those seats that are blocked? Uh, uh, I'm just I'm curious. Yeah, uh, we got a voicemail question for you. Let me play it. Here you go. Hey guys, this question is for Dan. So I'm going to ask a little bit different type of hypothetical, maybe even time travel based question here, but how much different do you think that USC's trajectory under Helton would have been if they had been able to go back in time and hired Graham Harrell at this point in Graham Harrell's career when Hel- in Helton's first year as head coach? I don't know. I think it'd be interesting. I think a guy like Max Brown could have been very successful in this system because it would have allowed him to get the ball out quick. It would, it wouldn't have put too much pressure on the offensive line. And he's obviously a very intelligent guy. So anyways, I'd be interested to get your thoughts. You know, then you have a whole trajectory of Max Brown being a year starter, maybe going to the league or, or maybe even two years of starting. And then you also would have more time for Sam Darnold's developed and he'd be able to come in with a lot of experience at running this system, at least in practice. And then, you know, maybe you have a year or two more for JT Daniels to develop. I think it's, it's just kind of obviously something that can't happen because Graham Harrell wouldn't have gotten a job a few years ago because he wasn't experienced enough. But if you could take Graham Harrell's experience now and have hired him for Max Brown, I'd be interested to get you guys' thoughts on how USC's path would have been different. Fight on Jason Longhorn country. No, uh, I, uh, my, my reaction to that is that the only way this is going to work now is that they have completely given over the off and this system because it makes sense with this talent. I don't think they would have ever admitted that, uh, you know, three years ago. With Max, I mean, I thought I think they thought they have a chance to line up against Alabama and play them straight up. Uh, so uh, I, I don't think they understood how uh, you know how far they were not you know uh, from you know being able to line up against Alabama and play. Uh, I still think because of Sam's uh, quick decisions and quick arm and quick feet, uh, if Graham Harrell for whatever reason, would have been the offensive coordinator and they would have turned the offense over to him. I just think the quick delivery, quick read uh, would have helped uh, help you make that decision and you'd have probably gone to Sam uh, fairly quickly, I think. I just think that he just uh, he got what you would want in that system. Uh, I think Max, there's a little bit of a, of a – he's a, kind of a mechanical guy who I think, for example – had Max been playing for Alabama that year, he might have started. And uh, 
he might have started over the guys that started against USC, whose name I can't even remember, and who didn't make it through the first quarter. But, uh, you know, running as quarterback at Alabama with their system and with their, you know, physicality on the offensive line and, and their ability to run the ball, I think, you know, Max might have had a, had a real shot there. I'm not sure uh, that any system change would have improved Max's situation that much. It would have helped, probably. I just didn't see him getting the ball out that quickly uh, the way you like it, and I'm not sure his his feet uh, were necessarily always suited to being able to be that kind of a you know quick read, quick delivery you know sort of a guy. Um, so, so I think I think Sam would have still emerged uh, right away. All right, uh, do we have any other? Uh... Yeah, we have a couple more. We have an email from Don who says USC looked like they last they lacked heart last year. Much of the blame, me included, was placed on Helton and his late practices. However, the multitude of transfer portal requests leads me to believe that many of these players lack the will to compete, or they have lost all faith in Helton and the coaching staff. How much of each character fault do you believe is leading to these requests for transfers? Yeah, that's a big or or uh, when you. When you say it's either, I think it's more uh, a lack of faith in that they will be able, uh, and in the practice, that goes together. For example, if you have relatively light, uncompetitive practices, it makes it almost impossible to compete hard and beat somebody out because you're not doing enough things at practice that you can prove I'm the better suited guy or I, I can play, you know, I can contribute more because What's happening at practice doesn't allow that to happen. Again, that was the genius of Pete Carroll. Uh, the competitiveness of practices where you could show if you deserve to play or not. Uh, and the uh, guys that were playing knew they had to keep competing. Uh, so uh, I, I think the transfer porter guys are a lot of guys that some of it is just the reality that they think, well, I don't, I'm not going to beat out the top three guys. And, uh, you know, the fourth guy is six, five and, and real athletic. And, and so where does that leave me? You know, kind of where I am now. I don't know that they didn't want to compete. I just think that in practice, the way they were, there wasn't a lot of competition, you know, going, uh, I mean, there was some one-on-one in the, um, uh, you know, uh, in the passing specialty stuff with the, the defensive backs. I thought they competed hard there. Uh, some in the seven on seven. Uh, not as much in the 11 on 11 at times, uh, as maybe they, you know, they needed to have, but, uh, uh, I just think there was a general, uh, sense of, of, of competitiveness was not a big aspect of what they were doing at practice. And therefore, how will I get to show I should move up the, uh, the depth chart, I think was, would be the key element there. We have an email from Bob. Uh, it's kind of a challenge for us. He says, over the past 10 years that Helton has been at USC, name one player that Helton has developed into a professional player, someone that was average, and Helton developed him into a first or second rounder. Chen and Wusu. How about him? Yep. Credit to Clancy. He saw him initially and, and wanted to develop him more. Yeah. Yeah, I think Chen is the best example of everything that's ever happened at USC in recent years. I mean, he is just uh, everything you should, you know, I, I would bring him into the practice every day if you could, uh, since he's here, here in town and, uh, and and just having talk about 
his own, uh, you know, journey. And he went through some, you know, some tough times. He had to build himself up. He had to get bigger and faster and stronger and quicker and tougher and all the things you need to do. And he did. Uh, but yeah, he alone is such a success story that, uh, that, you know, that, you know, and, and obviously much of the credit or most of it goes to Eugenia, but, uh, uh, it was possible for him. Uh, and, you know, you, that he has to become, I think, more the norm where it's possible for everybody uh, if they do that to uh, to make that kind of move. And I think it, they hurt them where, where they hurt themselves so much last year was the center spot uh, and the snapping issues and that nothing was done to address that. That that kissed a Paul, I think, over over the entire death chart, certainly over the offense, I think. Uh, uh, it was inexplicable to the players, and it didn't matter, you know, what the relationship with the coach and the, and that, and the player were. Uh, it wasn't understandable under any, you know, scenario, uh, certainly of competition. And I think that really, that really hurt, hurt, uh, hurt team morale. I mean, more than anybody realizes. I think there were a lot of people that looked at that and said, "What's the point?" and uh, Got to get away from that. Can't even have a hint of that going forward. They say there's not going to be that. We'll see. Yeah, I've heard the word favoritism being thrown around uh, a lot with the frustration of, of depth charts and whatnot. So it's interesting to see how they're going to handle that going forward and whether or not spring open competition is actually a real competition. Yeah, I mean, it's perfect scenario. New offense, uh, you know, uh, a lot of young guys with talent on defense who really didn't get to see the field last year. I mean, everything, you know, is there to, uh, to, to, you know, allow them to compete and allow them to just go at it. And I always thought, for example, every year under clay, the first couple of weeks of August practice were always the best, best practices of the year because they weren't getting ready for a game. Uh, the depth charts hadn't been released yet anyway. And uh, I always thought, you know, I was always pretty optimistic. I thought the two weeks uh, before, you know, they started spending a couple of weeks getting ready for Alabama his first year were really good practices. I thought, hey, that team's got a chance. And then they started, you know, going into their weekly uh, routine and, and, and depth chart and all of that, and everything just stopped. And I think that's the, the secret is to take, when they did allow them to compete, uh, take that through the whole year. And, and figure out how to, you know, combine game preparation with, uh, you know, competition and practice uh, every single day. That's more important probably than, than the specifics of game preparation in a lot of ways. So we have one final question uh, from right. Steve. He says, any thoughts on the new ACCA member Notre Dame and how that will affect future Stanford and USC scheduling? Can it be the end of the rivalry? Thanks. Great show, Steve. Say that again. What was the specific question about Notre Dame and the ACC? They're the ACCA member. I don't know what that is. I don't know either. I thought you guys well, would know. I mean, Notre Dame basically, well, Notre Dame belongs to the ACC and all the other sports, but football. But in football, they're, they're like a half member. So they, they commit half of their schedule uh, to the ACC. Uh, so, you know, like I think this year they open at Louisville. Uh, on uh, the Labor Day Sunday or whatever, but uh, uh, but but Notre Dame has decided, you know, they really want the West Coast games 
and they really want the connection with, uh, you know, Stanford, USC, obviously. And so they're going to keep those. I mean, they kept those and dropped like Michigan and Michigan State and, and games like that. Notre Dame's had kind of an in- interesting relationship with the Big Ten over the years um, where the Big Ten blackballed them and, you know, didn't want to play Notre Dame, you know, back in the, you know, Newt Rock era and all that. So, so I think, uh, I don't know that it changes anything. I, I really don't. I think they, they basically, and Notre Dame, it's a good deal. They get their NBC contract as always, and that keeps going. And then they get half of a, uh, of a contract, uh, half of the uh, deal that the ACC's got because they, you know, they get, so they get half of the ACC money uh, and all of their NBC money. So Notre Dame, you know, just keeps, uh, you know, taking it to the bank. So I think it works out well for them. And I think they know they really, at the end of the year, they want to be playing uh, on the West Coast. Uh, and they travel well. Their fans travel well. So it, it's it's really smart what they do. And they can highlight, you know, the Notre, Notre Dame-USC game in middle of October uh, can always be sort of the highlight of their home schedule, and their fans love it. So uh, I think it works out well for them. I don't see it as changing anything, I don't believe. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what ACCA is or some kind of like accounting thing that was, but I don't. It can't be what he is. I don't know. I don't, Steve, maybe uh, clarify. Up? Yeah. If you want to use like some acronym that we've never heard of, yeah, just explain it. You know, just tell us what it is. We don't really know what you're talking about. Google didn't pull it up right away, so we're not really sure where to go with that, Steve. <laughs> that, well, that's it for questions. I mean, I have a question for you, Dan, because I've already asked Ryan this on the on the live show. Do you think there's going to be a spring breakout star? Who's your pick for for a guy that's going to be the star of spring? Hmm, that's a good question. Uh, I know they really like they really like Vi. Uh, I think he just jumps out at them. I mean, we got a lot of new coaches on offense, and it, it, it seems like Vi is jumping out at him. So uh, you know, I think uh, I think they'll. And, and I think Stephen Carr has a chance just because, you know, he's been so limited in ways and he's got such a, you know, such a skill set that, that I, I think it'll be surprising to people that maybe it'll be, uh, be running backs, uh, who, who jump out at you and, um, and, you know, where you don't, you don't maybe think they will. I think somebody on the offensive line is going to come in and, 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 and maybe it'll be whoever the next center is or, Whatever, but I do think there'll be somebody on the offense. So I think I just more upbeat about the offensive line, um, just really kicking it up this year. And somebody there that you'll say, "Wow, I, I didn't know that you know that he could he could play like that." But uh, uh, I think if you go to the uh, defense, you got the two you know freshmen uh, in their second season, and 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 Talanoa and Polly uh, that just have star written all over him it's probably not a breakout because i think they were both uh showed so many elements of, of being really really you know special but uh i think usc has to figure out ways to to uh you know turn you know talanoa into a troy palomalo you know just go with some of his his skill set or, or the same way with poly you know just figure out ways USC had stars back in the day on defense, guys who just made plays. And they, you know, they didn't figure out a way even remotely to replace Uchenna last year. They've got to do that. Uh, who that would be, I don't know. But I think you've got guys who have the ability to do that. 
uh, we just didn't see it. Uh, we thought we had three or four of those guys on the defensive line, and none of them kind of made that that move. Uh, so I'm just you know waiting to see all of them you know, try to try to become that guy. But uh, I think there's the potential for those guys to do that. I just uh, I'm just gonna let it play out. Who did Ryan say? What was Ryan doing? I don't know if I did. I say Stephen. I thought Stephen Carr could potentially be the guy in this offense. You said Talano Hufunga. Hufunga too. Okay, so that's you kind of change your answer each time we talk about it. Really, I don't know. But if you want to go as, offensive as, line, as we, as we proved at the uh, the Vista football fanatics the other day, we spent a lot of time talking to one another because uh, I think we do have some similar thoughts. Yeah, that was kind of weird. So we're driving down there and uh, I, we spoke, of, I think it was like 60 people or so. And, you know, we there was like a tribute for, for Gary Pasquitz, who Dan and Gary had spoken to that, uh, you know, that group uh, several times and, you know, continually every year. But I, they never really told me what I was supposed to say. So I just got up there and started talking about the team. And Dan's like, I think you were supposed to talk about recruiting. I'm like, okay, well, no one really told me, so I wasn't <laughs> sure. So Dan and I both end up talking about the team. But it was good, like, because we get, like, some different perspectives. And then we could, you know, I could hit a few things. And Dan, you know, anything I missed, Dan would hit. So that was, it was kind of fun. A great duo, a pairing, you guys. <laughs> Iconic, for sure. But, yeah, there was, was a good time. We had a good time down there. And they kept asking uh, about Keeley. So uh, I guess really? Ryan and, and I have both uh, committed you. To uh, to going down there. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks, guys. <laughs> and for our, for our Trader Joe's uh, people, so I anyone that came up to me, I brought some uh, Trader Joe's gift cards that John Barcelona had given us, you know, to give out as promotional. So uh, I gave a couple of them away down there. People that said like, "Oh, I listen to you guys on the podcast." Like, "Oh, here's a Trader Joe's gift card." <laughs> And everyone was like, oh, I go there all the time. Like, great. You know, so it's kind of cool. You're the Trader Joe's dealer. Bags and gift cards. You're the Yeah. Guy. Do the bags, do the gift cards. I'm out, I'm out now. So I think I'm out of, of everything. But, you know, it was good. We did our part. We, you know, distributed. Uh, and it's, it's not like it's hard to do because people love that. True. You know? Very true. Sweet. Well, I guess we should uh, wrap it up and get to practice, guys, huh? It's close. We're, we're a couple hours away. Dun, dun, Sounds good. Uh, for people who are going to practice, they moved it up today. If oh, you're true. listening to this and going to practice, it's uh, 2.30. 2.30, yeah. And Gerard's got the schedule up on Spring Ball Central up on uscfootball.com. So make sure you check that out. Uh, yeah, well, thanks, guys. We'll uh, guess we'll wrap it up here. That is Keely Yor here in studio. I'm Ryan Abraham, Dan Weber on the line. We are the Peristyle Podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Spring football starts today. Should be fun. We'll All get right. out there and check it out. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices. Every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.